In July 2023, Candace McCauley Kehoe, a 26-year-old from Claremore, Oklahoma, lost her life at the hands of her abusive ex-husband. As we dive into her story, we are reminded that domestic violence is a common theme regarding MMIW. Her story not only highlights just how broken our court system is, but how little support and protection these women have from their abusers. This is a story of Candace McCauley Kehoe. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. So I actually ran across this story while I was scrolling through Facebook. It was one of the many requests that we always see from the pages dedicated to MMIW, where a loved one posts a concerning story of a missing loved one, begging anyone for information. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We see those all the time. Yeah, it's kind of sad how often we see them. Yeah. So all those posts are heartbreaking. And sometimes they do end in good news that the indigenous person was found alive. But this one was different. The information shared about the situation was much more concerning as it involved a domestic situation where a murder-suicide was threatened. The post that I saw read, My sister, Candace McCauley Kehoe, has been reported missing. Her ex-husband posted on Facebook that he was going to kill her and then himself. His name is Dakota Kehoe. They are from Claremore, Oklahoma, still waiting for his vehicle information. Her SUV was recovered at his residence in Claremore this morning, where she did not live. But we were unable to locate Candace or Dakota. If they are seen, please contact Roger County Sheriff's Department, praying she is found safe. Please share and get the news out. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. I know. Um, and Candace McCauley Kehoe is actually a Cherokee Nation citizen. So oh. she's one of our, our Cherokee sisters. How old is she? She is 26 years old. So as I was searching her name on Facebook to get more information, I learned that Candace was a diligent mother of three young girls, and her family knew that something was out of the ordinary when she didn't return home to them and became frantically concerned when her ex-husband posted online that he was going to kill her and then himself. Mm. Yeah. I can't imagine your sister not coming home to her kids and then seeing a Facebook post from her ex-husband that's like, I'm going to kill her and then I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, that's alarming. Yeah. We know that there's a lot of missing person reports and pleas for help in the MIW world. And I keep track of a lot of them as I'm researching for my next story. Do you guys do the same thing? Yeah. I always uh, jot down names and write down kind of what I read and where I read it at. I'll do screenshots too. Uh, I take screenshots to keep them to refer back to. There's just so many. Yeah. And what's hard is that a lot of times they all sound very similar Mm -hmm. to the one before. So, Well, and you know... When you say that, too, something that we always kind of come across is when these women do go missing, one of the major signs is that they didn't come home to their kids. That's when the family knows that something is up. Yeah. A lot of times these women are very, very diligent mothers who would never leave their kids on their own. So when I was like rounding back on this story, I remember seeing the post as I was going to bed and then I woke up the next morning And I search for an update because I'll do that. Like if I go to bed and I'm scrolling, I'm like, oh, I need to check on that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I looked and I didn't see anything except more people like sharing it and kind of getting the word out there. Then later that night when I was lying in bed scrolling, I saw an update, except it had the dreaded headline that I know you both have seen before. The update to the story was in all caps, found deceased. Oh, my God. And it made my heart sink. 
According to Fox 23, it was reported that the Claremore, Oklahoma police discovered bodies of Candace and George Kehoe, which is Dakota's legal name, in a truck pulled from the Claremore Lake on Tuesday, July 25th, 2023, just one day after Candace's sister made that desperate plea for help to find her. Oh, my God. When I was looking up information on Candace, everyone talked about how she was such a great, loving mother to her three daughters. Her sister spoke of how hardworking and kind Candace was how she was funny, silly, and goofy, and always wanted the best for people, and that she was just an outright good person. Makes these cases even harder to hear. I know. And it's, you know, it it kills me because a lot of the women that fall victim to these terrible domestic tragedies are always people who just see the good, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's their downfall, unfortunately. And yeah. that's just terrible that you can't even be a good person in today's world. Yeah, or you get so subsumed into the relationship that it it's terrifying to leave or you feel like you can't leave yeah and when kids are involved it just makes it even more complex exactly while candace was a stunningly beautiful and obviously very kind person i also found reports of the battles she faced which included a lengthy history of domestic violence protective orders between her and her ex-husband george dakota kehoe by court reports i found that dakota and candace were married in 2014 and subsequently divorced in late 2015 so Their marriage only lasted a a little over a year. How long were they together before they got married? I couldn't find information about that, so I'm really Mm -hmm. not sure. Their children are fairly young, so... And they were kind of off and on throughout the years? I don't know that for a fact. But since since their divorce, there have been ongoing protective orders. I also found a lengthy court record and found protective orders between both Candace and Dakota and between Candace and Dakota's mother, Patricia Kehoe. The details around these protective orders are confusing, as all protective orders are, because Mm -hmm. each order spans through the course of multiple months and sometimes even years. So the court record included court appearances, mediation, continuations, and even dismissals. And if you've ever personally been a part of a protective order, which I have, then you know exactly just how stressful it can be with all the court hearings and processes that must take place. When you file a protective order, it's like, I mean... From personal experience, like you don't even know like what the next steps are. And then it feels like you don't really have a whole lot of resources to help you figure it out. So the court records are really confusing and they're lengthy. So the two most significant court findings that I was going to touch on was one protective order that has Candace Kehoe and her three minor children listed as the petitioner. So the petitioner is the person who is initiating the order and also lists Patricia Kehoe, her ex-mother-in-law, as a defendant, which is the person accused of the crime. So in this order, it states the following. On March 18th, 2020, so keep this date in mind, Candace Kehoe filed a protective order in Roger County, Oklahoma, on behalf of her three minor children, all under the age of six. Candace sought this protective order against her mother-in-law, Patricia Kehoe. Living within Patricia's home were her three children and DK, which I assume is Dakota Kehoe. Mm -hmm. Except for DK, all of these children were adopted. So. She was a foster parent and adopted three children who were living in her home at this time. So this is going to be a lot of court information and a few different dates. So just try to stick with me. Okay. The court order goes on to say Patricia was the primary daycare provider for Candace's three children. When asked the reason for the protective order against Patricia Kehoe, Candace Kehoe stated that it is to keep Patricia's adopted children away from Candace's children. Court orders are really confusing to read as they include legal definitions and jargon In summary, this protective order, again, initiated on March 18, 2020, included the following accusations. Under the description of the incident, 
Candace alleges that Patricia has harassed her and her minor children. Under the description of the incident, Candace also alleges that the six-year-old uncle had kissed the private parts of her daughter. (gasps) Candace then requested an emergency protective order to keep her children away from playing with the minor children of Patricia. So her kids are going to their grandma's house? With their dad? Is that why? In the beginning, it says Patricia was the primary caregiver. So she was the babysitter, it sounds like. Does she have custody of them if she's the primary caregiver? It doesn't say in the court order that they were living in Patricia's home, though. So I would imagine that she had custody. I know that they have caregiver affidavits where... Oh, no, it doesn't say caregiver. I'm sorry. It says primary daycare provider. Oh, okay. So she was just watching them like during the day. She was just providing daycare for the parents since she was, you know, their grandmother, it sounds like. So so she kept them during the daytime while Patricia was at work. I'm sorry, not Patricia. Candace was at work or all this stuff was happening in her care. Yes. Candace then requested an emergency protective order to keep her children away from playing with the minor children of Patricia. The rest of the report is lengthy, but the bones of it are that a Department of Health Services investigation was initiated and the victim child was provided a therapist, which was included in the court proceedings. Ultimately, it was documented that both Patricia and Dakota were aware of the alleged abuse and did not see a reason why the children needed to be separated, which is why Candace felt her only option to keep her child safe was to pursue the protective order. This order was granted on March 19th and issued and set to expire on January 6th, 2021. Okay. Oh my God. You guys are still with me, right? Yes. It's going to get confusing in Mm -hmm. a second. Okay. If we fast forward to January 6th, 2021, the date that this protective order was set to expire, Candace filed a motion for a final protection order for a period of two additional years, which changed the expiration date of this order to January 6th, 2023. So just this year. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to backtrack a little bit. Here's where another piece of the story makes things complex for Candace. On August 4th, 2022, Dakota Kehoe, Candace's ex-husband, filed a petition for a protective order on behalf of their three minor children, stating Candace as the defendant. Okay. I know. For what? So I couldn't find a copy of the actual order, probably because it was just recent. It's still in the court system as of recently. So that's probably why I couldn't find a copy. Mm. But let me remind you that this order would be initiated in the time frame that Candace's protective order against her ex-mother-in-law, Patricia, was still active. So the details behind why this protective order was issued was not documented. But according to Fox 23, Candace's sister reported that this order was initiated by Dakota, claiming that Candace had hit her children. However, no criminal charges were ever filed, and Candace had visitation of the three girls during this time period. Who has custody of them, Dakota? So in addition to these two protective orders happening, they are also still in custody court for their divorce. Since 2014, it's very unclear who actually had the primary custodial relationship with these children because it seems like they've kind of been in and out of court since then. So it's very Mm -hmm. confusing. I could never find an actual like custody petition to note who even had the children. But based off of the protective order that Dakota issued, he filed on behalf of the children. So to me, that would say he was probably granted emergency custody, especially if Candace only had visitation. So all that is very confusing. But none of that was ever proven that she was. Well, there were no charges filed. So Uh. I would assume, you know, if DHS had already been involved with these kids, you know, they're going to bring in, 
you know, child protective services to investigate. And if no right. criminal charges were ever filed, then it, to me, kind of just sounds like an accusation. But again, you know, the details are really unclear. And it's really hard in these situations because sometimes parents tend to go back and forth trying to. Well, they, it becomes like weaponizing yeah. protection orders. Yeah. And using the court system to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So the details aside from this that her sister stated are really unclear. But when I looked through records, I found a request from Candace requesting a continuance. And it stated, I need more time to get an attorney. I was in jail for seven days. When I returned to work, I was told to resign or be terminated for not giving a long enough notice. I would point out, I just need a few weeks to get this taken care of. I've had this job for four years and I don't want to lose it. This was written on August 15th, 2022. Through court records, it is documented that after this date, that this court case regarding the protective order that Dakota issued was continued seven times, ultimately extending this protection order to expire on July 10th, 2023, just 15 days before the tragic event that ended Candace's life. Oh, my God. So this was this is really just last month. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so keep all this history in mind as Mm -hmm. I read the post regarding the incident from the Claremore Police Department. Okay. Around 11.30 p.m. last night, Claremore patrol officers were flagged down by a concerned person reporting an alleged murder-suicide. Officers began investigating the claims, which led to the 700 block of Comet Street. Officers entered a home on Comet Street and located evidence of an injury, but no one was inside the home. At about the same time as the initial reports to officers, we received another call from the north side of Claremore Lake. The caller told dispatch he witnessed a white truck sinking into the lake. Claremore police officers went to the caller and saw the pickup go under the water. Claremore fire assisted, but the police department was going out on the lake and locating the truck submerged using sonar. A buoy was placed on the spot of the submerged vehicle, where officers had to wait until early the next morning to retrieve the truck. Dive members from the Oklahoma Highway Patrol assisted us in removing the pickup from the lake. Officers located two deceased people inside the truck. The two people were identified as the same people connected to the home on Comet Street from the initial call. Evidence gathered inside the truck led investigators to believe this was a murder-suicide. The two people were formerly married and were recently involved in a child custody issue. During this terrible event, the children involved were safe at a family member's home. The evidence observed led investigators to reasonably conclude that the female died from a violent encounter with the deceased male. It appears the male died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Investigators are continuing to investigate the circumstances related to the incident. The victim is identified as Candace Michelle Kehoe, a 26-year-old female from the Claremore area. The perpetrator is identified as Candace's ex-husband, George Dakota Gaddy Kehoe, a 27-year-old male from Claremore. Claremore police have notified next of kin. So just 15 days after a court-ordered protection order expired, Candace was murdered by her ex-husband. And I know that the court-ordered protection order wasn't you know, in favor of Candace, but that still was a little bit of protection for her in that time frame to make sure that she, you know, could have possibly been safe because, you know, we know that domestic issues can go back and forth. We don't know mm-hmm. who initiates what we don't know who, you know, we don't know the details of what happened in their relationship, but there was at least, you know, other eyes on them during this time to help keep her safe. Right. Just 15 days after she was murdered. Oh my God. Wow. That's so tragic. And the way that it happened is tragic. He did something to her and then shot himself and drove into a lake. You know, what's scary is that he told people what he was going to do. The reason they got the call was because he had called his best friend to tell him what he did. So he had told him that he killed Candace, I assume, and that he was going to kill himself and where they were, because that's how they knew to go to the lake. Oh, because they went to the house and the house 
clearly something happened in the house. Yeah. So they knew something happened because Dakota did call someone and tell him either what was going to happen or what did happen. And they called the police. So there are so many parts of this case that just haunt me. One being that Candace was a good mother by all accounts and tried her best to do what's right to keep her children safe and was being kept from them by a protective order issued by Dakota in the months leading to to her death. And that's just, I can't even imagine that. And another thing that really haunts me is that Candace's car was found at Dakota's home, and it was reported that there was evidence of a struggle at this home. I had such a hard time thinking about her showing up there unsuspecting and it ending in her life being taken. In the Fox 23 report, Candace's sister said, Candace is definitely someone who likes to see the good in people. I think that's how he lured her over there because I don't know why else she would go over there. She went on to describe Dakota saying, I don't understand him. I don't know why he thought he needed to kill my sister. He was always so mean to her, you know, insulting her. I know she just wanted them to have a father in their lives. So that was another reason why she kept going around him, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. That I mean, that's common when kids are involved. Mm-hmm. It's like the mother feels like she's doing what's best. That's not always the case. And it's always a mother trying to protect her kids in some capacity or however she can. Because when the legal system becomes involved, stuff can get murky, like you said, with the back and forth. So, you know, she could have easily been trying to go over there to to make things okay. Or maybe, you know, she was trying to go over there to work out a better schedule for her to see the kids. Like you, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she was like just trying to be a good mom. And then this happened. And I can never understand the point of of killing somebody and kill, like just do what's best for your kids and move on. I can never understand why you can't just put your shit aside and focus on the kids. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's just really hard to hear. It's true. I mean, honestly, it's it's so tragic. And I I did a little bit of research on some of the statistics and it is really, really scary. Mm-hmm. So this story is really, really tragic. I mean, honestly, all the stories we cover are, but I felt like the system completely failed Candace and her children in this case. Domestic violence a lot of times seems like it's not taken seriously until something so tragic happens that the court system is forced to realize just how dangerous these situations can be. So according to the Claremore Progress, Candace's death made her the fourth victim of murder-suicide in Roger County, Oklahoma, in less than a week. Less than a week? week? Yes. Oh my goodness. And she was the fifth person to die this year as a result of domestic violence. So let that sink in. That means there were 10 people that died in this county in a one week time span due to murder suicide. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, 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 it's staggering. How, I mean, I can't even, like, I can't even fathom this statistic. Like, how is that possible? Do we know if there was any kind of, of, push for for change within the legal system of how things are working out because i would imagine that many deaths within a week and it's all tied to domestic violence i mean well it, it says only five of the deaths were domestic related uh, okay. um well i don't know i guess that would mean i mean it said five this year so you have to think about how recent this is though so yeah. there's not going to be like a whole lot of response in regards to how things will change because it literally just happened oh, yeah that's oh a staggering God. number it's insane to think about. Yeah, I'm not even sure how to respond to that because that just seems that just seems unreal. Yeah, it does. Like, like how can that many instances happen like that in such a short amount of time in a week? Yeah. For this to happen when less than a week, 
I mean, I'm surprised this isn't national news. I'm surprised there's not a spotlight on this area. Like, like what the hell is happening? Like, what's going on in Rogers County? Yeah, it says Kehoe, a tribal citizen, is the fourth victim of murder-suicide in Rogers County in less than a week. Yeah, and this was written on July 25th, 2023. You know, it just seems like it's made up. Like, how can that be real? How can it be real and people just not know about it? Because I didn't even know about Candace's case until you mentioned this is what you were going to cover. So I don't know. It just it just makes me think of if a lot of this is tied to domestic violence, people tend to brush and sweep domestic violence incidences under the rug. So even in Candace's situation, like, you know, where she went back after the order expired, like people don't take that seriously. Like there has to be some manipulation. There has to be, you know, someone not having good intentions for it to end up this way. Yeah. Or or do some kind of uh, uh, finger pointing a victim blaming like, well, she went over there on her own. Well, you know, unless you've been in a in a domestic violence situation, you don't know how people are going to respond. Because again, we talked about how when kids are involved, you want to do everything you can for your kids and make things work for your kids and not have your kids in this back and forth thing. So we don't know what her intentions were going over there, but we can only assume she didn't go over there with ill intent. Well, that and what people I think forget is that Domestic violence is so complex because at one point, these people were in love or Mm -hmm. these people were in a very private, intimate relationship. And, you know, despite what happened between them like that, that human nature is to never believe that someone who loved you at one point could do something like this to you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is the most concerning part about domestic violence issues is that a lot of times the perpetrators are manipulative and controlling and they know how to get to the victim. Well, it's gaslighting being able to manipulate and get people to to let their guard down enough for someone to kind of slide in and start the abuse all over again. Well, I know that we've talked about this before, but like they're just narcissists. Mm-hmm. They know how to talk to you and they know how to get you to fall in love with them. And then they abuse you, whether it's physically, mentally, however, use you and abuse you. And then, you know, you as the victim, they they're hurt. But then they come back and like you said, gaslight and like, I would never do that again. And they, it's just that cycle of love and hate. And it takes a long time for these victims to finally leave. And they're so scared to leave because they're scared of what will happen. And maybe Candace. I would imagine just the way you talked about it has such a loving and big heart that she thought maybe he would change for her or that this time was going to be different, you know? Or maybe even that she went over there and was like, maybe he can be civil for the kids. Maybe we can work something out. I could imagine that's who she was and that's what she expected and that's what she wanted from him. But he was just selfish. He was selfish and he was a narcissist and he was a coward. Mm -hmm. That's all he was. To take a mother away from three children and then their father. I was was going to say, like, not even just the mother. Like, he he made the choice to take both parents away from these three young girls. And that's such a traumatic thing to grow up with, with knowing what your dad did to your mom and having to live with that. And, you know, bless those little girls' hearts and just the traumatic experiences has been for them at a young age. I can't even imagine. You know, I keep thinking about her driving over to his house, you know, and say nothing did happen. People would probably use that against her because I've seen and and read about cases where 
the one of the parents is trying to be civil for the kids. And so it comes it 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 gets pushed back on them later, like, well, you must have not been that scared of him if you went over there on your own or just bullshit like that. And it's like you don't know. You don't know. All you want to do is keep things civil. And you're, you are scared. You are scared going over there. But all you're thinking about is what's best for your kids and how to protect your kids. And if you can get some some semblance of normalcy for them, that's what you want. What made me so upset was that she went to his home and there were clear signs of a struggle in the home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was probably trying to fight for her life in that home. Mm-hmm. And he still somehow got her in the truck, did whatever he did to her, drove her to that lake. I can't imagine how scared she must have been. And I'm sure the whole time she was thinking about her kids. And wishing she had never drove over there. Yeah. So domestic violence mm-hmm. is a common theme regarding the stories we cover. And it is so frustrating when you learn that the victim of domestic violence may not be getting the resources needed, and might not be taken seriously. I know in the most recent protective order in this situation that it was initiated by Dakota on possible false accusations, but the long-standing history of protective orders should have been a red flag enough for someone to intervene. Court systems are not built to address many issues that contribute to why people are involved in the system, and many times people are unsure of how to navigate the court system. I know that when I was in a domestic violence situation, I had no clue who I was supposed to call if I was supposed to show up in court, or anything. And on top of that, I was dealing with the emotional stress of my children being involved in the situation. I will say that our court system does a pretty good job of trying to connect people with services and tries to make sure that the victims get support and assistance. But I know that most court systems are not equipped with the same resources that we are. So Shiashi and I are a part of a community-led initiative, I would say. Um, It's just some DV survivors in our area who wanted to get together to help with this exact thing. So one of the things that they're kind of focused on is creating a support group. That way, when women or, you know, men for that case, I think we could offer support there. Anyone who is a DV victim has someone they can reach out to that has lived experience that can say, you know, here's what to expect. Here's who you need to call. You know, if you need housing, call here. Just someone who has a little bit more knowledge And I think that this is something that anyone could do in their own communities. I think having a support system is probably the biggest way you can advocate for someone going through a domestic violence situation. Because a lot of time when you're in it, you don't feel like you have any support or you feel guilty or embarrassed by your situation. Like Maggie said, it's hard to it's hard to know what to do, where to turn. Who do you talk to? And I was just going to say, you know, having someone maybe not in your immediate friend group or immediate family Mm -hmm. to talk to can be helpful because there are some things that you don't want to, you know, like it's not natural for you to want to tell your family, but you need to, you know, have someone to be able to talk to. So I do think that once we get this off the ground and going, that it'll be really helpful for people in our community. Yeah. And we have a lot of goals with this group. I mean, it's some of it is just one offering resources, but two, it's, it's doing enough advocacy to maybe make some changes within our legal system or within tribal law uh, that better protects survivors of domestic violence. I mean, you look at one county here and you've got the fourth murder-suicide in less than a week. There's a problem out there. Well, and we know, based off of the statistics that we've said before, is that, unfortunately, generational generational trauma to Indigenous people kind of perpetuates domestic violence as well. And just violence in general to our people, which is terrible to think about. 
So mm-hmm. when I was researching DV statistics and murder suicides, I ran across a PBS article, which I will list in the show notes. And this is actually, I think it was from 2018. And it reported that reporters analyzed data from 47 major U.S. cities. And in a closer examination of homicides in five of those cities, the reporters found that more than a third of the men implicated in a domestic killing were known to be potential threats. They had a previous restraining order against them or had been convicted of domestic abuse or a violent crime, including murder. And police told the, po- the Post reporters that attempted strangulation is a strong indicator that an abusive relationship could turn deadly. So it goes on to talk about the warning signs of a potential deadly act of violence, and even goes on to mention that a protective order is the first step in trying to create safety for a victim. But it noted that oftentimes it creates a flashpoint in the relationship. Mm-hmm. where the abuser gets set off and gets agitated by the filing of this mm-hmm. and can lash out in violence that can often be fatal. One prosecutor we spoke with in the report said that she tells women to file a restraining order with a backpack and a plan to get out of town to leave oh when she God. files the restraining order. One woman who works with the victims and said it pretty bluntly that it's not a bulletproof vest, that it can only protect you in so many ways. And really, the only way that they're enforced is when the abuser violates the restraining order. And that could be a case of fatal violence. So that, you know, we we talked about a little bit earlier how the court system is not built to protect the victims. But that mm-hmm. in itself is people who work in the court system, work with these victims, and they're telling these people, yes, you can do this, but it might end in your death. Or yes, you can do this, but it's not really going to protect you. You know, run away. Mm-hmm. And that is not how our court system should be protecting people. It is deplorable that that is what we offer victims. You know, one of the things that I think is the hardest to hear is when you are generally worried about your safety. You know, people don't take emotional or psychological abuse as serious as physical abuse. And you get told, well, you can't do anything unless you're physically assaulted. Why do I have to be physically assaulted before I'm protected? I mean, people even in the court system know that when a person files a protective order, that they can lash out in violence that can be fatal. Like, why why is someone dying, a woman dying, Indigenous women dying, the only time they're taken seriously? Like, why is that? Like, it, it just, I just, we cover these stories, you know, every week, but it still is just like, like, this happened less than a month ago. And it's still the same narrative today. Like this situation was not taken very seriously. Otherwise it wouldn't have ended this way. This story is heartbreaking. I can see pictures of her. I Googled her. And she's She's beautiful. beautiful. Like I hear what you guys are saying because I'm sitting here listening. And I'm like, how do we break this cycle? How do we get young men and women to treat other with love and respect? Like where does the cycle end? Because if it happened to our grandmothers and our mothers and our aunts and it's happening to us, this can't happen to our children. I think that's why it's important for this advocacy group and for other people to start one, because it's all about support and empowering a person to um, do what's best for them, do what's best for their kids and have that support there. We got to help each other break these cycles. I cannot imagine the pain this family is feeling as a result of this terrible tragedy. What's even more concerning is this case for me highlights just how broken our court system is and how little support and protection these women have from their abusers. The story of Candace McCauley Kehoe is tragic and by all accounts feels like it could have been prevented as many warning signs were there. Candace Michelle Kehoe McCauley 
went home to be with the Lord on July 25th, 2023. She was born on January 16th, 1997, and leaves behind three beautiful daughters. She loved her kids with all her heart, and they were the light of her life. Candace was a hard worker and loved to make others smile. She had the best smile ever, and her love of life was contagious. She was also proud of her Cherokee heritage and loved to learn about her culture. Candace will be deeply missed by her family and friends. She was a loving daughter, sister, mother, and friend. She will always be in our hearts. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.